From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. San Francisco is a world-class city with a mess of a city flag. The flag's been used as an example of what not to do over the years. 99% Invisible podcaster Roman Mars very famously gave a 2015 TED Talk on city flags, which turned into a roast of the San Francisco flag. But then earlier this year, seemingly out of nowhere, Brian Stokel designed a new flag using a phoenix symbol from the year 1900. People loved it. I wrote a Chronicle article about it right at the beginning of the shelter in place, and it became a symbol of city pride. More than 200 of these flags have been sold. Now it's months later, and I want to have Brian on Total SF to talk about his flag and sort of plot for the future. Heather Knight and I, way back in 2018, after our Total Muni run, have been talking about some kind of contest, maybe involving San Francisco school children to redesign the flag. I think 2021 could be a really good year for this, coming out of the pandemic, when people have a lot of pride in the city, a lot of pride in in how we've handled this pandemic. It just seems like a new flag would be perfect for that. Um, We talk about that. We talk about San Francisco flag history. Brian and I are joined by John Lumia. John's a history lover who's researched the San Francisco flag And we'll talk about what it's going to take to change the San Francisco flag. It is not an easy process. Other cities have tried it. Many other cities, few have been successful. For now, we have Brian's flag, which is wonderful. It comes in three sizes. It's at sffoggoldflag.com. That's sffoggoldflag, all one word, dot com. $10 from each of the bigger flag purchases goes to SF Marin Food Bank and SF New Deal. Brian Stokel and John Lumia coming up. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Brian Stokel and John Lumia, welcome to Total SF. Did I pronounce your names right? We just went over it, but I'm liable to get that wrong. Perfect. Perfect. So this is our flag episode. Um, Brian, I've interviewed you. I did a full story about your flag exploits, but we never did a podcast, which I deeply regret. And John, I am thrilled to welcome you because you wrote a wonderful uh, bold italic piece that inspired Brian called the original San Francisco flag was better and cooler. Let's bring it back, (laughs) Um, which was an excellent (laughs) piece and an excellent headline. But I wanted to start by asking both of you uh, one at a time, when did you become aware of the San Francisco flag? Um, I think I've known about it ever since I moved here in 2001, probably just because I traveled a lot, look at flags and saw it up there on city hall. Um, but there's not, no distinctive memory of when I knew about it, but because of my interest in history, I knew it was a Phoenix and somehow related to fires. Yeah. Did you, did you have a reaction when you saw it good or bad? 
I think it, it gave me a newfound uh, perspective on why this flag, uh, how it made me feel. Um, at, you know, it might have been an uncritical assessment historically, thinking, oh, great, there's a phoenix. And yeah, it's got some words on it, but okay, I get it. But I never really scrutinized it historically. Uh, I think there was a little bit of a movement in the Twitter sphere early pre um, Roman Mars that was saying, Hey, let's update it. But apart from that, nothing. What about you, John? Did you, uh, do you remember the first time you laid eyes on the San Francisco uh, flag? Yeah, I think it was very much the same with me. I mean, I, I I got to San Francisco in 2010 and probably somewhere uh, around there. I saw it. I don't recall having any particular reaction to it. Uh, it wasn't really until Roman Mars' uh, TED Talk in 2015 uh, where he really sort of uses that as the, the exemplar of what not to do <laughs> that, I, that I sort of tuned into it and, and, and really, uh, you know, from there, you know, began to wonder, well, how did this come to be? Uh, and that's really what kind of got me started on that whole, that whole quest. Yeah. So let's talk about that, that Roman Mars TED Talk. Um, a couple things, you know, that's, I think, one of the most popular things that he's done. Um, it has millions yeah. of, I got it wrong on a tweet once and he corrected me. I said like, it has like <laughs> tens of millions of, of views. And it's like, no, hundreds of millions. Anyway, I, so I'm not going to say the number, but it has been incredibly viewed talk about what makes a good flag, what makes a bad flag. Uh, He uh, quotes Ted Kay, who um, is just, I interviewed him for the piece I wrote about you, Brian, and he Mm -hmm. knows about flags. And then kind of like the San Francisco flag becomes, what would you call it, Brian? I mean, that's his sort of example of what not to do. He, he, he shows a sense of pride and like, Hey, there's some good bones to it, but, this is your poster child for what not to do. Yeah. And that that's the reason why it only flies on a handful of buildings and nobody recognizes it. So I, I want to talk, Brian, about your, um, your quest to redesign the flag and the steps that you took and the response that you got. But I wanted to ask you first, John, what inspired your piece? Because I think your piece also was very... Uh, helpful to Brian as he was creating his flag. And I wanted to just ask you what the genesis of it was and, and, uh, and, and what you found about uh, uh, San Francisco history and the flag. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I heard that piece, which was wonderful, the Roman Mars, Roman Mars piece. Uh, and I just felt like, you know, there has to be some reason why it's this way. And certainly, you know, the, the, the current iteration, which is the one that he showed, is, is highly digitized, a little cartoony. And I'm thinking, well, all right, this flag's been around for a while, but it can't have always looked like that. The current flag that's flying over San Francisco, and we'll get into the history in a second. Uh, Brian, you can you can list it. I mean, it's not supposed to have a lot of lettering on it, according to right. most. Uh, what, what's the word for a flag, person who studies a flag? Vixel- a vexillologist. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for knowing that. Um, what are the problems with the San Francisco flag, Brian? Uh, the problems are, and is that there should never be any lettering or showing of seals, like uh, official seals. That's its most cardinal sin. 
Yeah. Um, the other one is that it should be simple. Uh, and I think even though we're calling it a bit cartoonish, it would it could be well argued that the Phoenix is not that simple. Um, and but it actually those are the two that come to mind that are wrong with it. It actually the one thing that even Roman Mars pointed out that was good about it was, hey, the gold band around it seems it's a little bit unique and it's all right. And that's the other thing, something that you want your flag to be a bit unique. Yeah. And that uh, it's represents something meaningful from the city. And so I think the Phoenix from both, of course, famously in 1906, but more importantly from the genesis of the flag from the many fires of the 1800s. Is that where it came from, John? What did you find when you started looking back at our flag yeah, history? It really, it really starts with the seal of the city. Uh, and, and there were two. Uh, there, was, there was one, the first one uh, in 1852, uh, was the seal of the city of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. It was a be very beautifully engraved uh, sort of design. Uh, and then in 1859, they did a new seal, which was the seal of the city and county of San Francisco. And that, that actually is pretty much the one that we have today. Question. Now, I think of the Phoenix coming from rising of the ashes of the 1906 earthquake and fires, but there was a Phoenix before the earthquake and fires on our flag do you know why that is yeah they were i mean they put it on the seal in 1852 because of those very early fires in 1850 51 52 you know there are a few years there where just like every year you know a big part of the city would burn down yeah um and so and so that's that's sort of where it came from um you found the original drawings and right. I think they look fantastic. I mean, it's a lot yeah. of what Brian uses on his. Yeah, they're movie. fabulous. And, and it seems that there were, there are a couple of references, one in 1859 and one in 1862 to a very early municipal flag. There was one in 1859 that flew off of city hall uh, uh, to mourn the death of, of, uh, of David Broderick. Uh, and there was another one in 1862, but it seems like by 1899, 1900, uh, that flag, wherever it was, had fallen out of use. Uh, and James Phelan, who was the mayor at the time, uh, came to believe that what San Francisco really needs is a new flag that it can be proud of. And so in 1900, uh, he submits um, an article uh, to a competition uh, from a publishing company in Philadelphia. And, um, and he, wins the, he wins the prize. He wins 50 bucks. It's a prize for, for, the, for the best article of this competition. He comes back. He says, okay, I've got 50 bucks. We are now going to start a citizen competition to design a flag for the city. So that's, the, you know, that's kind of the get. And so they throw this thing wide open, but without any particular uh, parameters to it. It was just, you know, we need a flag. Give us your best shot. Uh, and, and this thing went on for um, six weeks, two months, and it didn't go very well. Uh, they got about 100 submissions. In fact, the, uh, the Chronicle uh, editorialized uh, on March 17th, uh, 1900. Um, they said, quote, competitors may choose a guinea pig, a rat, or a monkey as the central figure. So, so the papers of the day, the Chronicle, the Examiner, the Call, they didn't take this seriously at all. They just thought it was a vanity project, um, and, so, and so they went back to square one, and when they did that, interestingly, uh, they came up with some ideas that, that really 
connect very well to modern vexillological principles. They said uh, in March of 1900, okay, it's got to be uh, on a white field with only two other colors. It has to be a unique symbol that is very specific to San Francisco. No monkey, no guinea pig. Exactly. And, and so when they <laughs> did that, I think it's not, it's not that surprising uh, that, that the Phoenix, and maybe there were other Phoenixes amongst that second group, uh, kind of rose to the, to the top as, 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 the, as, the, as the, uh, the concept that got selected. Uh, by 1923, they already have, they're playing with different designs. So mm. that original design falls out of use actually pretty early. So, so you know, so, so that, that original flag had already kind of begun to fall out of use for probably a, a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and that, is, that is kind of what sort of sets up uh, the pivot uh, over the course of about 15, 20 years to something that looks much more like what we have today. And, and Brian, you were, you were uh, reading um, John's piece right around that time and you're trying to think of a kind of flag that San Francisco might have and your, your beginnings were not involving the Phoenix, correct? Correct. I thought the Phoenix was great, but I thought, Hey, let's go with a fresh start. What's meaningful to me or unique about San Francisco. And that's the combination of the fog, the bay, the hills, uh, maybe the bridges, and so I did a number of iterations. And when I look back at them now, some of them I think, oh, wow, I was really working hard, but it looks pretty pretty mediocre. But there's a handful there that uh, could work well. Uh, but at least in my sharing of them with the social media, nobody seemed to jump on it in a big way. And somebody said, hey, why don't you put a phoenix on it? <laughs> so I saw this and I thought, oh my God, that's so different. Look at that phoenix. It's dramatic. It's got, look at the flames. They're gorgeous. And uh, it was a high enough resolution uh, drawing uh, image that I basically traced it using Illustrator and took out what I didn't want, which was the wording and the, uh, the torse, the little, looked like a, almost like a, a wet towel wrapped up together underneath the, <laughs> the bird. And I said, hey, let, let's see how this can work. And there were a number of iterations, but I fell on the, the gray for fog and the gold for the gold rush in history. And it simplified, but pretty much the same as the original 1900 design. We'll be right back after this short break. So yeah, so from, so from 40, uh, you know, there's that same fly that, that doesn't really get changed or even modified until sometime like maybe um, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, but so everyone who's been looking at that flag for so long uh, since 40 and even before uh, for the flags or without the letters just assumes that that particular flag and that particular Phoenix is sort of eternal. They don't, you know, they're not aware yeah. of this earlier story and, and the earlier history from 1900. So it's, it's fascinating. This cool as hell Phoenix that was yeah. there in 1900 that yeah. uh, Brian, you, you rediscovered or, tr- you know, yeah. put it on a flag. 
Brian, you, you mentioned like you had done these earlier flag designs and people are like, they're polite about it, but oh yeah, that's yeah. nice. When you showed the Phoenix, did you get a different result? And this is your Phoenix with, this is what your flag is now, basically the Phoenix with, um, with the, the gray on top. It's technically gray, but if you're, you know, color expert, it's probably the gray blue. <laughs> okay. So you get this new flag with the gray and the gold. What's the response? Oh, there, it was pretty tremendous that everybody loved it. They said, hey, can I get that on a shirt? And I'd buy one. And I'd, I'd, my goal all along, regardless of design, was, hey, let's get something, whether it's me or anybody else, a design that's going to get traction. And so uh, I finalized it about, I worked on that design about six months. And so I'm like, I'm done. This is it. And that's when a lot of uh, support, there was already building support, but everybody loved the Phoenix. They loved the story about that fog was incorporated in it as a color. And so I thought, okay, let's take it to the next level. Let's, I'll, I'll do a small run. And I asked folks, hey, is anybody willing to put a few bones down? A little more than a few bones, but so I could get a physical copy. And that, uh, that was going to happen in January, but um, some personal events happened that slowed that down. But finally, I thought, great, March 2020 is the time. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit. And I thought, oh, my God. The, oh, great. Bad timing. Bad okay. timing. But is it bad timing or is it good timing? And with, with 2020 hindsight, I remember when we spoke, it was, I think it was in March or the beginning yeah. of April. And you were still a little stressed about that. Like, hey, I don't want to look like I'm taking advantage. You know, money's tight with people. But I yeah. would argue that the timing in some ways was kind of perfect because we're all stuck in our homes and looking for any kind of symbolism or thing to do or way to be together and you've got this flag with a phoenix on it uh mm -hmm. and i think the sales probably speak to that do, do you feel oh yeah now no no i think it ended up being perfect because i think i would have done fine at the time if i'd done it a few months earlier but it would have been uh you know it would have been able to have a few copies out there, maybe a dozen or two. And I would have felt good and be able to hold it, maybe wave it, but it wouldn't have skyrocketed. I think the, the combination of the timing with COVID, people wanting hope, we were all more scared than I think uh, because of unknown factors. And then frankly, the piece you put helped push it a lot too. Uh, get Power a lot chronicle. of people see it. Yes, <laughs> <Or> still relevant. <laughs> yes, but I got I, I, there were thirty, thirty-two, uh, twenty-six people that bought flags, yeah. and it'd be pre-chronicle. Yeah. So those were the ones that were out there that I think you saw some of them, and that that uh, it put a tear in my eye almost when I saw the first one flying. It was pretty amazing to see, and that tells you what having a physical thing really makes a difference rather than a glowing screen version of it. Yeah. I, you know, I want to ask you, John, and, and ask both of you, but 
you know, you, you put a lot of energy into the research of your piece and you've thought a lot about this. Why a flag? Why, why should we have a better flag? And, uh, uh, and I'll ask you that, John. Yeah, I, I think it's just great to have to have a, a really unifying symbol that everyone can rally around, and they can and they can they can see themselves uh, in the flag. And 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 as diverse a city as San Francisco is, to be able to have you know a, a flag that that flies everywhere and 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 that people really sort of adopt and embrace, uh, it'll be a wonderful thing. And that's I guess one of the things that one of the first things that Ruben Mars says was, well, one of the things people don't. If, if you have a great flag, a truly great flag, people do embrace. You see it everywhere. You see it on, you know, coffee cups and 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 uh, you know, on the you know, stickers on bags and and, and keychains and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of folks, you know, the fact that you don't see that in San Francisco in this current flag is its own symptom of of a, of a lack of love. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it'll be wonderful to to be able to sort of uh, to see that uh, unlocked. And and I think. I think the idea of, you know, because a lot of times, um, you know, when cities uh, go for a new flag, you know, they will, they will start absolutely from scratch. And I think, I think, you know, to Brian's point, you know, the Phoenix is a great uh, symbol that has, that has a wonderful, very, very deep history to it. You know, you don't, don't have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, the Phoenix is something that people in San Francisco already know. Uh, and I think the, the Phoenix idea is something that they do embrace. Uh, but if it was sort of shown in a, in a more, um, I don't know how to put it, a, a more heroic fashion, yeah, uh, somehow, uh, maybe that would that would really uh, bring that out, and maybe make people realize that they have even more in common than common than they thought. So, and and I think Brian's um, uh, Brian's version is something that if I close my eyes right now, I can see it. I can like if I close my eyes and think of the San Francisco flag, there's going to be a piece that's missing. And I know I interviewed Ted Kay and I know Roman Mars said you should be able to a, a child should be able to draw it from memory. And I feel like Phoenix and a couple of colors is like totally, um, you know, we're on the right track. We're what we need. And, and Brian, I back to you. So you were talking about, you know, these orders start to come in. What types of things are people doing with the flag? And have you like just seen one in the wild, just going around and you don't, you didn't even know they bought it, but it's there. Uh, the sales were pretty crazy. It's over more than 200 wow. large flags have been <laughs> bought and uh, they're just under a hundred dollars. Um, so, uh, but I think that, in terms of in the wild, because everybody knew I was the one making them, most people, it would be the, all the emails I'd get from people that knew me and say, hey, I spotted one in the wild. There's one on 48th Avenue somewhere out in the sunset, and I was so thrilled to see it there. I think there may have been one I've seen in the wild. But the, yeah. the way people have been showing them is the – Classic ways on a on the side of a wall outside with people. Many are asking, "How do I hang this?" And you just buy a little bracket, like classic, and you put it. Um, and then some put it in their windows. Um, I I did hear that there have been some city staff, even some at the Moscone Center for the disaster preparedness or the you know due to COVID, 
they wanted to put one up there for civic pride for all their work during the emergency. Mm. So they were putting it up on a wall in Moscone Center. It's interesting because, and I'll, I'll tell John this, that Brian, you and I talked about the flag earlier, and that's, and that's kind of where I want to go next is, um, Brian, when you approached me about the flag long before I wrote the story, my first response was, I just want to give full disclosure before we even start the conversation that Heather Knight and I, as part of our Total SF shenanigans, right after Total Muni, which was 2018, mm-hmm. we were brainstorming, well, what should we do next? What, what other like city pride things should we do? And a new flag was one of them. Mm-hmm. And at the I time, remember us talking about that. At the time, I thought we'd be in conflict because I kind of told you a little bit, bit about the plan, which was Heather and I want to um, do some kind of contest, probably involving kids, like telling kids, help mm-hmm. us design the flag. And then try and get the city to at least listen to us, buy in on some level and do something that would be in the Chronicle and we'd show all the different flags and then find a way to pick one. Um, I thought at the time that was going to threaten you because you've created this flag and you're proud of it, but you didn't seem threatened at all. You seemed like you were okay with our idea and maybe coming along for the ride and, being a judge or something like that. Yeah, I I think that at the end of the, you know, I have some design elements to me, but I'm not a true blue artist or designer. So I, uh, to me, what's most important is a better looking flag that gets adopted um, and that you see flying everywhere. And it's best if it's official, but if it's unofficial, that's okay too. That's what Milwaukee's done. They have an unofficial flag that was in a contest and it's on beer cans and on team jerseys. And so if we go forward, you know, if you go forward with a contest, preferably even if it's totally different, I'm all game for it as long as, you know, it looks great and we can all be proud of it. Um, John, let me ask you, uh, what do you want to see in a flag, a new San Francisco flag? What, what do you think should be, let's say we're, you know, sending out instructions, create a new San Francisco flag. What do you think needs to be there? I, I think Brian has the elements. I, I think, I, you know, for me, uh, you know, I, I, I love the way the, way the, the you know, the, the Phoenix is there. And then the, the colors, which have never been there, uh, really sort of invite you to sort of to pay attention to the Phoenix. I think there's a sense in which the, you know, the way that it is now, it, it seems like a flag of officialdom that one doesn't have to pay attention to. And I love the fact that the colors sort of break the Phoenix in a way that really invites you to say, hey, what is that? You know, and, and, and really makes you sort of think about it uh, and be engaged with it. Uh, and that's, I think that is, is what any great flag should do. Yeah. Well, I, I know now, and I've, you know, gotten a sense of what's going on in city hall. They're not going to even touch a flag right now. I think as long as things are yellow, but could go back to orange and there's Mm -hmm. hospitals and those types of things to think of, I think it's going to be a non-starter. I also think that once we hit that point, where we come out of it, if we're safe, say in the spring or the summer, I don't want to depress people by guessing, but once we're safe, 
we're going to look back and unlike the Spanish flu of 1918, where we screwed things up, I think San Francisco fought hard and Mm -hmm. saved as many lives as they could and rallied together. And I think that's going to be the perfect time for a flag. I think Mm -hmm. if they're ever going to buy into it, they're going to buy into it then like, Hey, you know, and and it's going to take more hard work, but if we can keep our numbers down, I think at the end of this pandemic or, or at the point where we feel safe, that might just be the absolute perfect time to do this. And I hope you guys will kind of come along for the ride and um, we can keep in touch and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and Absolutely. maybe help with guidance because just talking yeah. to you, I can tell you care about this as, as much, if not more well, than I do. I'll, I'll give a, there's a, a, a word of caution and uh, uh, a path to success uh, with two recent flags that have been adopted. The, the Mississippi state flag got redesigned mm-hmm. and the Salt Lake city flag got redesigned. Uh, they were both sanctioned by the government, so they were going to be uh, very official, although we still have to wait if Mississippi becomes official. But if you look at the judging process, they all were open to many different designs, um, so anybody could do it. But the judging was really key. And if you look at the two flags, even though I think they're both okay and one's a bit better, you can tell which one went through a process that was probably the better flag. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's that's sound advice, um, John. Any any final thoughts about uh, about the future? I don't think so. I just I hope for the best. I mean, I, I think it's it's um, as you were speaking there. I was re- I was reminded there was a um, many a lot of times ago. I live in New York City and and was very involved in, in the sort of civic process around. Um, around the redesign of the World Trade Center site. Uh And there was a lot of conflict around that and people, ideas being bandied about and ideas that weren't great and ideas that were better and not better and and all the rest, you know. And and a friend of mine who was sort of one of my, one of my sort of colleagues in arms on this whole thing, sort of, uh, and this is at a time when, when, when there was still, uh, the design that actually was gonna get built was still in quite a bit of flux. And, and he relayed to me something that someone else told him. He said, you know, and, and, you know a process like this is a, is a long game, you know, and that what has to happen is that those who are the true believers have to, have to just kind of stick around, keep that pulse going, keep the flame burning, even if the time is not quite right to come all the way out, as you're saying, uh, when the time is right. You know, if, if, if there are those people who, who are there who want something better, uh, uh, have, have been around the whole time and are, and are there to sort of step up, uh, then it stands at a much better chance of success. So. And then we pounce. Yes. <laughs> and then we strike. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you both. Um, thank you uh, both, John. Uh, thanks for your help and your history. I like being, like usually in these, these, these episodes, I'm the one having to like have all the history organized i like having you on and uh and and hearing about uh, a lot of the history and your thoughts and thank you very much brian for bringing a little bit of joy to the city and uh joining me on total sf thanks thanks peter all right we'll talk again thanks guys okay thanks bye-bye
You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guests, Brian Stokel and John Lumia. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital Chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com slash 